0: Welcome to the Weekend Wild Podcast. I'm Pat. And I'm Jim. And we're two working class dudes who only got two days to get her done. We talk about a lot of fishing,
1: especially musky, northern, walleye. And in the fall, we love bow updates. So we've got all your bow tips and tricks. So we also talk about conservation, news articles, cooking, a little bit of lifestyle, and a little bit of opinion. We only have two days to get it done. So come on,
0: tune in and get Weekend Wild.
1: All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm not sure how long of an episode this is going to be. We got an interesting Green Bay story coming for you. Figure we cover up on some weeks, and I got a, I got a small world story I got to tell you. You know, small world story. Okay. Small world. So for anybody that thinks the world's a big place, uh, I got proof. You know, scientific proof that it is not. Oh. So well, at least um, Illinois is not that big. So, anyway, the week was a. Uh, I don't know about you, but it was a hot
0: week. And I think if you were in the Midwest, you know what I'm talking about. It was a hot week. So I was doing a really dusty, rusty, greasy, crappy job at work. And all of it that went into the air stuck to me like I was a fly flytrap.
1: Oh, yeah. I had never washed off so many times. I got just a, just from dust and dirt and all that stuff from work. And then, the, so the storms go ripping through. The reason why this is going to be a quick episode, it could be a quick episode. So the storms go ripping through. Um... And with our job, we have to do different coverage for when storms happen. And locally where I live, there was a tornado just south of here that ripped up some stuff. And there was a bunch of, I guess, Kel said it wasn't too bad at our house, but just south of here there was some ripping winds that took down a lot of stuff. And so, but anyway, so we're working coverage tonight. It's Sunday night. It's like, well, Sunday afternoons we're recording this. Pat's got to start at 2. I got to start till 3. And we're working until wee hours of the morning. You're actually working until 6 a.m., aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, so we were in Green Bay yesterday, and uh, we figured – uh We do this and then go to work all night and yeah, so going to be a big money Sunday. The yes, it is the the blue collar life bit us in the ass this weekend, don't you think? The old blue collar life. So
0: yeah, I've like there was one point this week where I couldn't have been more wet jumping in water from just sweating.
1: Yeah, so we we we, I don't know about you, but I wear the fr jeans the whole time. I don't just so. But when you could take a pair of fr jeans and see your sweat through them. That is some hot weather. You those know? are bad genes for it because those things could stand up by themselves. Um, and then I, I I try to acclimate. Kel thought I was nuts. And I think you saw the Snapchat, but I went for what I call my death march
0: where it's a completely open valley. I it's, saw that. And I'm like, this is the hottest day. And I was still at work at this time. I'm like, this is the hottest day of the year. And yeah. he's out there like, hey, I got, a, I got some steel plate strapped to my chest. Oh, yeah, yeah 50 job.
1: pounds of weight on the vest, and I go walk in a completely treeless valley exposed to the sun at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> but, hey, it helps you acclimate. So, like, I do this I do this with cold weather, too. Like, so when the first 50-degree day shows up and you think it should be snowing, you know, and it's like, no, 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 don't, don't put on a bunch of layers, don't, you know. Just get used to this. So I, I do the exact opposite. And deer hunting helps out a ton with acclimating for wintertime. Oh, man. An absolute ton. You go out there and you, you feel the first 30-degree morning, but it warms up to 60. And then 30 turns into 40. And then thirties 30. And then eventually it's like 20 is the low and thirties the high. And it like, really acclimates. It helps you acclimate to the, to when
0: the you When you go and like you camp in like 20 degrees, and then you go throughout your day afterwards and it warms up to like 40, 45, even 50, you think it's summertime
1: just the humidity was insane so friday so friday night we went we we drove up to green bay oh you know what maybe we'll get into this in a bit i gotta or should i just tell my small world story Dude, just
0: tell your small world story yeah do it all
1: right so our buddy brad uh pat worked with him for a little bit we actually met him through another buddy of ours and uh instantly became friends you've heard me talk about him if you're a previous listener
0: you know i tried to transfer all of my knowledge to him in a matter of a week and i didn't get very far
1: Um, yeah, before we left that shop, but anyway, so Brad hooked me up. I told, I told a story on, uh, about how I burned out my C4, you know, I burned out the drag on a C4. turns out I didn't, I got really literal with the oil when I was oiling up the, and it got in the clutch discs or brake discs, uh, inside the the drag. So I, I took it apart. Um, I had the whole reel apart and as I was taking it apart, I don't know if you ever take off the little E ring on the end of your Abu Garcia C4. Oh, you don't have a C4, but C3s, C3, I think they all have the same snap yeah. ring. And it's this little E-ring on the end, and I'm usually good. I've, take, I've taken these off a bunch of times. I got this little electrical screwdriver. I can insulated screwdriver, taking apart circle boards. And I stick it right in the open part and pop right in my hand. No problem. Well, this time, I went, thought I heard a pop. Pop. And I look, and I touch it. Bing. E-ring went
0: flying.
1: And, and I heard. This
0: is one of those where you're dead silent for a split second, and you're like, where did And that you hear,
1: go? <laughs> on the other side of the room, you're like, son of
0: a, you know. So I'm on my hands and knees with my cell phone
1: light. And uh, I remember Brad telling me about a friend of his that rebuilds musky reels. And he's got his own little side business where he will go through entire musky reels. All right? So I texted him real quick. I'm like, hey, because I, I wanted to use that reel this weekend. I'm like, hey, find out from your buddy if I can get that, that e-ring somewhere local. The answer is no, by the way. If you guys did ha- that had this happen, you're ordering that e-ring. because I checked at Ace Hardware. I checked it in the work. I checked a lot of places. I could not find an e-ring that small. This thing is micro. So anyway, he goes, here's his phone number. Just text him. Tell him what you need. So I text him. His name's Mike. I'm not going to tell his last name. You know, you can figure that out if you want. Uh, So I'm texting him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He says, I love listening to your podcast because you guys talk about a lot of the same spots I grew up with. You know, like Angler's Outlet and, you know, all these like local things to us that we just kind of know, you know. I'm like, really, where are you from? And uh, he's like Chicago Ridge. I'm like, dude, I grew up in Worth, you know. So we got talking, chit chatting back and forth. And I'm like, dude, you were in a you were in a class a year ahead of me. And what? uh it was a, it was one. He's a year older than me in school. Mm-hmm. Like, no kidding, small world. But blah blah blah. So it's just funny that I met Brad through a dude that works in a shop that I have nothing to do with. Me and Brad instantly became buddies. Brad introduced me to a buddy that moved up by him, and it happened to be a guy I grew up with. Just full circle, you know. What are the chances? Went to the same school. Yeah, uh, that's
0: and and between I want to us and played, all of our siblings, like we know everybody from this whole five-year stretch.
1: Oh yeah, that school was small enough where you can know pretty, you can know a few classes around you, kind of thing. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. But um. Yeah, it was just a small world that this guy, I haven't even like heard his name really in 20, 25 years, whatever it's been. And uh, yeah, and then there he is. He's uh, rebuilding musky reels. But anyway, with his musky reel thing, I told him I'd give him a shout out because he sent me. So I, I told him what I did, and he's like, let me look into it. And he sent me a schematic of all like the parts breakdown of the whole reel. He says, do you think it's this number here? I'm like, that's it. That's it. He says, I have one in stock. Let me know if you need one, blah, blah, blah. I've never actually used his service, obviously. I probably will. I probably, when it comes time to it, if I don't feel like doing something or if he's got parts or if I just want it rebuilt, I'll send it. But if you guys want to go look up his uh, business on, it's, I think you can only find it through Facebook. I'm not sure. That's how I found it. But it's called Musky Money Real Services. Musky Money Real Services is his uh, business. And he's, he's a uh, mechanic just like us, but he does this on the side. Um, I mean, that's how that's how Brad knew him, was through the shop he worked at, you know. But... He's an actual mechanics of some kind. I'm not exactly sure what he does up there, but then he also does the uh, the real mechanic stuff. And uh, I started following him on Facebook, and he actually put some interesting little pictures. Like, I just saw one of a little brass gear that's in these aboos that strip out, you know. And he's like, the littlest things cause the biggest problems and stuff like that. But real small world. I'm, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting texting him back and forth. But he helped me in a big way. I found the snap ring, and, uh, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. It was just a small yeah, world. Yeah, good job. I told you the guy's last name. Do you, do, you, do you remember him or no? I do.
0: Absolutely, I do. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, Putting a face on a name from, say, 20 years ago, that's tough. But I'm pretty sure we played baseball together, too. I'm, like, very sure.
1: But, uh, yeah, it was just a small world. But Muskie Money Reel, if you guys are – if you guys have a like, – Bush Light Billy stripped out a few uh, fishing reels over the years from backlashes and stuff. So he'll probably end up sending them up to him because they're still very good reels. There's something stripped out in there, you know. But uh, he'll uh, – we'll probably get in touch with him and um yeah so go look him up Musky Money
0: yeah, and it's um, pretty sweet
1: yeah just a small world there's a, it was a, a hometown
0: guy you know it was really cool to, for for that part of it and I mike thought. i will take your recommendation on a good low profile reel i've got an amazon one that's okay but i want a good low profile reel yeah mike text me <laughs> anyway moving on to the green bay trip uh so Ch- quick disclaimer, we're not going to mention, we, we went on a quick guided trip. It was supposed to be like kind of like a bachelor party. Oh, I was going to get in all Oh, it. okay. Go ahead. So I was just
1: going to, this started, this started off in the beginning of the year. Pat's getting married this year. When did you propose? Do you remember? February 26th. All right. So I probably called this guy about then, you know, probably February, maybe even, maybe I knew you were going to propose before. I'd actually have to look at the email chain. But uh, so I emailed this guy and like, we've always talked about fish in Green Bay and I thought, you know, it'd be cool. Let's do for we'll kind of use Pat's wedding as an excuse, part one of the Bachelor party for uh Green Bay. And I was going to treat him and my dad, and we're going to go on this guided service. So that's how this came to be. We're not going to talk about the guide because we got some uh, we
0: got some complaints, right? It didn't go as planned. Yeah, we're not going to mention his name. Uh, we're not even going to imply what business he worked for, but it's just a guide on Green Bay, and that's kind of all you need to know.
1: Yeah, it was a guy that uh, yeah. It just, it wasn't what we expected. But so that's how it started. It was like, I don't feel like we needed to be guided in musky or nothing. I was kind of more guiding in Green Bay. The other thing too, is I really thought that I would get a kick out of it. Yeah. And that's how this
0: started. I didn't really, I could kind of go up there and drop my boat in the water and just figure it out. Um, it's one of those things to do that makes sense where you're thinking like, you know, is there anything more that I can learn or have I been stuck in this rut of knowledge for 15 years? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it turns out, well, you know, we'll get into it.
1: But uh, the, uh, I do have an apology to make as the story progresses. I do have an apology to make to the entire world. Um, but, yeah, so this whole story is our little Green Bay. Never fished Green Bay. I've been to Green Bay. Love the city of Green Bay. I'm hoping I'm, I'm like slowly working Cal down into moving to Green Bay, just quitting the whole world up here and moving up there, you know. Um, beautiful
0: area. because. Illinois is an absolute Sodom and Gomorrah, terrible place to live, (laughs) all right? Terrible place to, like, you know, now that I'm working back on the south side again, um, I, I do really still like it down there. I don't know. Maybe you never liked it, but I did.
1: Uh, I never really knew what there was to like about this state to live here. It's just, you're, you, you live here as a result of like a grandparent, great grandparent decision. Somebody moved here once upon a time cause it was work and then we never left. And it's like, why do, why do we still live here? Well, you, you go know? to the
0: gas station, there's a blue collar guy that speaks English behind an the counter and you're like, all right, yeah, I like this. Yeah. You know? And I don't know. It just seems like that place is going there more and more, you know, now. And then where I live now is kind of going the opposite way that I thought it was. Well, would. just for
1: instance, anybody that doesn't know about Illinois, the first thing the governor we have now, he got into office, they swore him in, he turned around and told everybody, hello, everybody, I am doubling your gas tax, doubling yeah. it right now. Oh, and uh, also your uh, your vehicle stickers,
0: I, he like doubled those too. Oh, and then during the next election, I'm going to claim that I froze the gas tax when really all that means is that I stopped raising it at the rate that I was raising it, <laughs> which was a lot. Yeah. And then, but it's like he froze this gas tax that uh, he was the one to put in, and <laughs> but they're still electing these people. I and remember it, seeing that ad on TV, and it's like he froze the gas tax. I'm like, wait a minute. So you mean he doubled it and then stopped doubling it? <laughs> like, okay. So, but then you go you go to a city like Green Bay, and you're like, ah, oh, man, I just have this calling to be around this area. I just yeah. feel like I should I belong here. Caitlin 100,000 percent disagrees, but I am a northwards person in and out
1: oh yeah i could man if there was work if there was work in like north central uh uh wisconsin northwestern wisconsin for like my kind of work where i can actually make a good living at it i would that's what it, my attraction to green bay is Is there's industry and there's nature
0: all like within a 30 mile stretch green you know? bay is like the is like the front door to the north woods in my opinion yeah that's everybody like can have a different definition of that but to me, it's like the front door to the Northwoods.
1: You're right. Like when I'm driving, like if I'm going to minakwa for instance, like I really start getting that Northwoodsy feeling around uh, Stevens Point is where yeah. I start getting that, you know, Portage, Portage kind of is still like the Wisconsin Dells to me, but by the time I get to Stevens Point, I'm starting to get that.
0: Oh, we're getting starting to look like the Northwoods over here. And then it's always 100% a winter wonderland up there in the wintertime. And I love that too.
1: But they got real ice for real ice fishing. It's not like what I do around here where it's like, oh, oh man, look at that. It's going to be 20 degrees for three days in a row. We might have an inch and a half of ice if we all
0: spread out and you know and only got real snow they got real snow like actual like oh yeah it snowed a bunch yesterday snow and we're gonna get more tomorrow like it's real you know it's like down here might get a foot my last two weeks you know you might get a foot of my last a month but like most of the time we don't really get that much snow down here
1: anyway so let's move into this Green bay thing so we get up there we uh a guy texted me the night before we're gonna meet him at 5 30 so we get to the we get to the launch so first of all we the way this worked is we were supposed to go with my dad I did have some medical stuff going on, so he's like, "Ah, I'm not going to come just in case. And we're like, okay. So we had, as we told you guys on a podcast like a week or two ago, we had bush like Billy. Well, he dropped out last second. And so quickly, Nick, the diving mailman, uh, (laughs) rose up to the challenge.
0: The diving mailman. I I like
1: He's the diving mailman. He's the one we told you that goes in after every lure that breaks off, you know. (laughs) I I really expected him to go in after that bucktail he lost. I was really like kind of, I think if it wasn't like three footers out there, he would have. Uh, but anyway, so the diving mailman came with, and he was happy to do so because that guy could just, like, you put him on a boat, and you give him a rod and a reel with a lure, and he will just cast. He will cast until his arms fall off. I would take, right now, I'd put 20 bucks on anybody that listens. I have a guy that can outcast you, for, or, like, cast for cast for the day. Yeah. I have he, a guy that can upset. outdo you.
0: He was upset when he had to pee.
1: Yeah, like, it was in his way. You never see him. He never took a sip of water. No, never say it down and take a break. Nothing, nothing, you know, look around at the birds, nothing. And me, yeah, sometimes
0: I just got to, like, stop what I'm doing for a second, go take a sip of whatever I'm drinking, and then, like, just kind of stare up at the sky, look out at the horizon. Yeah, I only need about two, three minutes at a crack when I do that. Yeah, and Nick is like, you know, cast, 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 cast. Cast. And then, and then you take a break later. and he looks
1: at you like, why aren't you casting? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> you
0: know? Like we were just about to get a fish. But anyway. So, so we, we were lucky
1: we had the diving mailman fill in, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: And I'm, I told him, I'm like, dude, I'm very, very thankful that you're here. Thanks for doing this last minute. He did a he did it. He's, he's the ultimate guy to bring fishing. He just really is. So.
1: Oh, I told him if I have to do a, a fishing tournament, he's going to get the invite first because you need a guy that can stay in a boat and can throw casts. Yeah. He's tough in the cold. He's tough in the heat. And he throws casts all day. You know, so I was happy he came with. I really was. I knew he would, uh, uh, as much as you could get out of this, he would get. So, so we all show up there, and go ahead. Did you describe the conditions out there? All
0: right. So we get out there, and like you know, we're looking at the water before the break, and we're like, okay, this is kind of. nice. Nah, this ain't bad. And then the second you get out the break, the real world smacks you in the face, and the waves. To me, I'm not. I'm not on that big water. We're on big water all not, the time. Not
1: not Green base ice not water. Not like this.
0: And the waves were, I would say, three to five footers.
1: Oh yeah, some of those like you said there were some random rogue waves. So for actually let's back up a second here. So for if you're living in the Midwest, you know the heat wave we have we had last week. And then so you know that storm that showed up Friday night for just about everybody. Everybody in the Midwest got blasted with a storm. And so we drove all the way up there that night in that storm. So the conditions we're facing the next morning are the post-frontal conditions off of that storm.
0: Which are pretty solid wind. I think that one was out of the northeast, so it was blowing down the whole lake. So the waves were Probably three to five feet, real chop. And, uh, and white capping, too. It's not like capping, they are just rolling. Yeah. Or they were white capping. There was a couple of white caps that, like, like crested right on top of the side of the boat. Oh, yeah. Know? And so this 18-foot boat, 20. Four, 20-foot boat, fully loaded down with four dudes, is bobbing and weaving. And I couldn't stand up straight for the first hour and a half, two hours. I was, like, holding on to the seat. Uh, Nick got a hang of it in about 15 to 20 seconds. Um I don't, you were looking pretty good back there.
1: I was fine. I a couple of the, every now and then something would throw me off. It would add an extra foot or two to the waves you were getting used to. And then like, say whoa, you know? Or you're like, oh, I dropped something. Let me bend down and pick it up right as a wave smacks the back of the boat and tries lunging you off the end. Yeah, oh yeah. The one time I almost, he actually started reaching for me. He thought I was going right off the back. So
0: <laughs> this is the stage where we're getting to where we're going. We didn't really have to go that far from where we launched. And we're thinking, okay, this is the insight that we're going to get. This is the holy grail of something that we're going to learn. Nope. Same thing. Bucktails at weed beds been doing that recipe my whole life.
1: Yeah. We were, what we were really thinking is cause like none of us, we all like learned musky fishing on our own and never really fished by anybody that did it. We weren't really taught by anybody that did it. We just kind of figured it all out on our own years ago. And some of the tactics, you know, you do over and over again to not catch anything. And then finally you start switching tactics and you start catching fish Anyway, so we're like, we're gonna go learn how they do this in Green Bay. We're gonna go see how they do yeah. this in Green Bay, and because uh, I had my own, I had my own ideas of what we were gonna be doing before we got there, and so we show up at this weed bed, and uh, he puts on, he puts on double bladed bucktails on. There's three of us fishing, three of us were throwing double bladed bucktails at these weed beds. It sounds like six o'clock in the morning, so whatever. And I'm thinking we'll do this for a little bit and then we're going to drop a little deeper. We'll probably start throwing some cranks in a little bit and then we're probably going to start throwing some big rubber. And no.
0: No, we just kept resetting.
1: We we casted... The wind slowly died out through the day to the point where it was just flat calm, you know. And we casted a five to six foot seaweed bed with bucktails all day. All day. And I'm like... Now, so granted, you're He's the guy you paid him. He's in the boat. You're in his boat using his stuff, and it's like you're not really gonna be like, "Hey, I think we should do this. Hey, I think we should do that." I was kind of there to learn.
0: Yeah. How about a how about like some ten foot diving stuff? You know, like not. You know, you can't say that to this guy. I just I, I just, just
1: didn't want to. We we hired him to be the pro, and then but I quickly figured out that he wasn't a muskie pro. You know, he can he knew some of the bullet points to get you on muskie, but like times are tough now. We're post runal conditions. The wind's blown out of the northeast, which is always a terrible wind to fish.
0: A pretty you know? unique situation, really. It really like the, the first three hours of the day was actually a pretty unique situation as it comes to muskie fishing. So we really thought that we were going to get our money's worth. That
1: it day. seemed it seemed right um, that it, it it just seemed like all perfect conditions for all this to work, you know. And uh, so we we ended up fishing the weed beds over and over. The sun came out, it got warmer. We're you know take the hoodie off now and then. Now you're sweating, you're drinking water. And we we did raise. Uh, how many fish did we raise up to the end? We side actually of
0: raised four. So yeah. And we did the, those
1: four. Came, pretty much came in the first like hour or two.
0: No, the first one came in like an hour. Um, I was looking at my camera. The last one came about eleven. So I uh, what would that be? Like four, like six hours or five hours?
1: So. Really, we had one that late in the day.
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah, Nick had one, and then. Um, so th- they got smaller as time went on. So the first one that we saw was probably the biggest. Uh, I do actually have my camera. I will, I don't know, maybe I'll make it like an Instagram video out of it or something like that. I don't know. I, find I mean, everybody's to
1: seen follows,
0: thing. you know. No, but I mean, just, you know, just relevant, like this is something you can go reference after we talk about it on the podcast kind of thing. But uh, yeah, we did raise some fish or we got high spirits. But at the same time, you could tell that those fish were just, they were more curious than actually interested. Oh, yeah, they were like little puppy dogs chasing. They're
1: just coming up and looking like, ooh, that's shiny. What does that look like? What does that look like? And, you know, and then they get up to it and then spin around and they're gone. The one time, so the one thing I want to make a major apology on, a major apology. I still believe pretty much what I said, but I do have an apology, is we learned LiveScope. Like, I learned a lot about LiveScope yesterday. Whatever, he had the Lowrance version, so whatever they call it, he told me what the Lowrance version is. But I call it LiveScope. Um, LiveScope is awesome. It is I, so. I apologize with that because I always kind of talked against. I still would talk against it, you know.
0: I was about to say I'm not apologizing for that at all. It's cool. Totally get it. Think it's a think it's destroying fishing. But keep going.
1: Um. So we were learning about it. It's awesome. I'll probably end up getting it, but it is still it is still one thousand percent cheating, and it's going to kill fishing no matter what. But I'll tell you what, every boat has it, so yeah. that's why I'm not opposed to it. The other thing too is, it's not like it's not like you turn on the screen, and it's like, hey, here's here's the big fish right here. Here's the big fish right here. Here's the yeah. big fish right here. Um, you still like. Uh, in fact, I knew the one follow I had, and then that that followed my lure in and went over to next lure. You know, but I actually saw it. I was I was focusing. I was seeing watching him watch that thing, and I was asking questions. I learned how to do it. But I actually watched that fish do the, the figure eight with my lure. I'm like, hey, I think that is something on the back of there. I never actually saw the fish though. Nick did, but I never saw the fish.
0: I saw the tail of your fish.
1: So I pull it up and I'm doing the figure eight and I look and I'm like, man, that flash looked like a like the side of a musky body in there, you know. So that was that was super cool. That was super cool. And then we'll we'll talk later. We use Livescope in a different way uh, later on. But yeah, so Livescope is. I'm not. I don't know when I'm gonna get it. I think I'm gonna wait till the prices aren't so crazy. 'Cause I am sure there's gonna be cheaper and cheaper. I remember when GPS came out how outrageously expensive that was. And then now you see what you get for three hundred and fifty bucks, you know.
0: I'm gonna focus more on uh, getting a better depth or getting a better trolling motor first.
1: I just watched, I was gonna tell you, I just watched the Jay Siemens video he was reviewing the new Garmin GP or new Garmin trolling motor. Yeah. I'm like, man, this thing's sweet. So I looked it up. You know how much it was?
0: Like thirty five hundred bucks. Thirty
1: nine hundred dollars, you know. But it was a it was a sweet trolling motor. So anyway, with the live scope thing, uh for certain applications I think it's it, it's I don't think it it's as big of an advantage in musky fishing as people like to think um, but walleye and stuff yes I but I do believe it's going to help kill the fishing. If you think the fishing's bad where you live now wait till wait till everybody everybody's boat has live scope on it and you're going to be like son of a you know. But uh I totally thought that I thought that was such a cool experience to learn and see that. And I'll probably end up getting it. I don't know when it's not going to be this year for sure. Maybe next. Um, probably not, but
0: no, probably not even next. So going back in the direction of the trip, I have this problem where I think that everybody's into musky fishing that does it. So you think a musky guide, that's the guy that's into musky fishing. He loves it. Hell, he made a job out of it, right? Uh, got to stop thinking that these guys are just as interested as the people that you hear on like musky 360, and, uh, you know, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, like when you watch, uh, you know, some of these YouTube channels or like the one guy we grew up knowing, like he was a local historian. And like, that's what I was expecting was that guy. Yeah, you th- know.
0: This would be like the person who like primarily likes to bake and we'll show you how to cook some stuff sometimes. And that's what, that's the pr- angle we got. So he just knows this one time a year recipe for musky fishing. And he did that until he, we were blue in the face. We didn't get a fish in the boat. And I, I feel like there's a better way to dial that in, live scope or not. I just feel like there's a better way to dial that. Yeah, so in.
1: We, but we did the standard if you if you are a muskie fisherman or done it even one time, there's a like ninety-nine percent chance you took a bucktail and you threw it over the top of a weed bed and pulled it in and then you did that all day and didn't catch anything. All right. There's a good chance that if you're if you're mildly interested in muskie fishing, you've done exactly that. So we hire a guide and then we're like, uh granted remember we did we hired a guide, it was I was really thinking about just treating dad, you know, and then I figured this would give us a chance to get on a green bay, see how everything works. And, uh, you pretty much, we paid this guy a lot of money to do the thing that doesn't work that we've done a million times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and the one thing I just couldn't believe was, uh, we never switched tactics. We never in that day, we started off with the windy stuff on the windy shore and I'm like, okay, this makes sense to me. I could definitely see this working. But the first part of the day, yeah. But after the sun came up and got warm and the wind started dying out a little bit, we never we never even entertained the fact that we're going to switch spots and switch tactics, you know. And that is the part that really, like, hmm, I think I could have guided this, this boat a little better today than this guy, you know.
0: The other thing, too, that kind of blew my mind is you talk about squeezing five of your boats cost-wise into this one. Uh, I'd rather go with my boat all day. I don't know. I oh, like, right, me too His boat was obviously better for the conditions And it was a better boat totally
1: I was thinking when we were out there I'm looking at all the tech that he has on his boat Like you could, you could probably apply for the job of an IT guy After you learn all that equipment like that Because he was very knowledgeable on his electronics Very, yeah. very, very knowledgeable All the different settings And all the different ways you could view things And it was a very high tech boat I don't know how many screens total were on that boat Six?
0: I want to say I counted at
1: least four uh, Well, there was How many were up in the front? One. Okay, so then
0: there was uh six or five screens. There was five screens total. Um, a lot to look at. That's the one thing that I don't like about the way, like the way modern fishing goes, is you're staring at a screen all day. Oh,
1: I I'm with you. I'm with you.
0: But uh, so it's like you get out here to get away from the TV, and you just end up watching more of it.
1: Um, I was just impressed with the amount of different because like it's a different skill now. So the skill before was using your knowledge of different patterns and, like, your experiences before to find the fish. But now you're, the, the skill comes in
0: knowing how to run this tech in your advantage, you know? And the original fish finder was kind of a gimmick because it would only see a fish that was directly under you, directly under you. And uh it gave you a little beep, and then it showed you this fake fish image at whatever depth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's what it was. Yeah. So that's innocent enough, in my opinion.
1: So anyway, so then this guy, he said a couple other things and uh that just really started getting me second guess what he knows about green bay and some of them i was really i don't know if you want to get into the main so, one
0: nah i mean nah I, I really don't want to discredit this guy too much he was clearly an outdoorsman he knew what he was doing but uh, i just don't think he was into musky that much it was just part of his sales brochure
1: yeah well i got a feeling that he is a walleye guy that also gets questions about musky so he turned into musky yeah you know and uh he didn't yeah. He just didn't seem to love the muskie fishing as much as the walleye fish. And the other thing, too, like, um, he may have just been different with us because he uh, we, we must have made it known that clearly we're muskie fishermen already. We yeah. just don't muskie fish here. You were spitting out a lot of your knowledge in the back of the boat. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Like, when it came to reels, lures...
1: Um, so maybe, maybe he maybe just figured out, oh, I don't need to tell these guys the normal stuff. I don't know. I don't know. But he just didn't seem to love it as much. He didn't say, say a whole lot about it. We never changed tactics. So maybe that's just what it is. But cause we got to we don't have that much time left before you got to leave for work. Why don't you get into what happened at the end of the day?
0: Um, so real quick, one thing I wanted to say was the one thing that made me knew he wasn't a true musky fisherman was he read, he was not read in musky literature like at all. Oh yeah, definitely. So he didn't care about any stuff online, he didn't care about books, he didn't care about nothing. So yeah. it was the guy that was not very well read. As it comes to muskie fishing, then nothing else. This guy, I think he was actually a pretty good outdoorsman. But Oh so he
1: was when he was telling us about all the other stuff he did, that guy that guy is
0: very credible. Yeah. Very, very, very credible. He seemed like a very legit outdoorsman. So he does a lot of other stuff too. But uh so then what would it be about twelve thirty? He... Is taking another client out later in the day, so he throws out a walleye j- thing, and he's like, "Hey, we're gonna see if we can get some of these. You know, if I can get the walleye, right like a here. jig
1: and wrap, yeah, like ice fishing jig and wrap."
0: So this guy pulls up a walleye in no time.
1: Yeah, he pulls up. I mean, three casts. I was he was standing there back there with me, and within three casts, bam,
0: a sizable walleye on. And Pat turned around, like, "Did you just catch that?" You know. And I, this guy was like, "You guys want it?" And I'm like, "Yeah, we want it." Like, <laughs> so uh, threw that thing in the boat. Um and then all of a sudden, I was like, dude, rig me up. I'm going to do this too. So I had a couple on that I lost. I think the hooks were probably a little too small, to be honest with you.
1: Um, Nick, me and Nick kind of looked at each other like, yeah, let's put this musky stuff away. Screw it. And I knew past like at like 10 o'clock in the morning, I knew the musky chances were over. I know you, could, like, you paid to be there, so the guy's going to keep you out there trying. But he could have been like, hey, I'll tell you what, guys. You're not going to catch any fish between now and the end of the trip. We could we could stay out fishing because you paid for it. But I'm telling you right now, if you want to if you want to take it easy, you're not gonna catch anything in the middle of the day. So you know? in
0: this one hour period, we caught about thirty gobies, about what, four or five sheephead? Yeah. And three keepable walleye. Oh, and we kept the walleye. Very nice. All I mean all over what, twenty one inches probably. Yeah, oh yeah. No, these were the biggest walleyes I've seen in person. Because I don't really walleye fish. I'm not a big walleye guy. I might become one after tasting that fish yesterday. But anyway, um so we get home. Are we Jim, I was like, Jim, you got anything? Like, I'll go buy a cooler and ice, whatever. First of all, thank you for buying that ice. Jim, Jim shelled out like 12 bucks for ice yesterday for me to keep these. No, fish. that was cheaper. It was like five bucks for ice, I think. Oh, but a lot of money for ice anyway. So we get the we get the ice. Jim's got this random box in the back of his truck that we throw these fish in. Keeps the ice pretty well. It's one of those
1: little sportsmen's boxes because we're all like, what are we gonna bring these home in? We got a three and a half hour ride home. What are we gonna bring all these all these fish home in? And so we uh yeah, we I, luckily I had the sportsman's box. All it is is a box to keep something that I don't want to get wet in the back. I throw them in there. Totally forgot to bring that, by the way. That's okay. I don't. I I was using it for a grill box, and then I ended up not. That's how it ended up in my trucks. Because every now and then I'll throw like something, a jacket, and it's like, oh, I want to keep this off in case it
0: rains. You know, so I don't want to be on the bed of the truck. So I was all excited. I was super pumped because I've been spending the bulk of my time musky fishing. and You don't get to keep any fish musky fishing unless you're into pike, but. Uh, so we get home, flay these fish. Uh, I, Nick taught me this trick about the cheeks. Oh yeah, yeah. because um, you know, obviously I don't flay walleye ever. So taught me this trick about the cheeks. Went in, fried some up. I didn't fry them; I sautéed them more like. Yeah, right. A little bit of olive oils and then some seasoned salt and some lemon, and uh, it was awesome. It was it was totally awesome. Um, I got a lot of meat out of these things. So, so the,
1: the, the back to the live scope conversation, that is where this is. I'm going to do it myself. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm going to do it myself. But I'm telling you, that is where the cheating begins right there. So we would point that live scope out over this rock hump we were on. And I'm like looking at the screen with him and I could see, oh, there's lines in the water. Okay, there's there's something grouped up there on top of that rock. Okay, so we'd throw it in. We had it, you know, we'd catch fish. You know, it was that easy. Don't cast till you see something on the screen. Oh, there's something on the screen that tells you how far out it is. Boop, fish.
0: <laughs> so... I, my thought on this, this will be my final thought for a while on live scope and, you know, heavy electronics in the boat is if one person has them, everybody's got to have them. Cause if you don't have them, then you're the bad, you know, then you're the poor fisherman on the block and you're not going to be catching as much as everybody else is.
1: I could just, the the argument I always had is I could tell you right now, like just the amount of casting you would have to do before you find a pot of fish. Now you
0: don't have to cast, you just find them. So my argument is, is if you want to make fishing better for everybody, um, nobody has it full stop
1: uh yeah and it's not it's not going to be a thing you know but it's going to kill fisheries in 20 years we're going to be very upset if oh, yeah. uh, when if this doesn't if they don't start putting more money into it that's why there has to be some sort of usage stamp or something that goes directly back into fisheries but if you just look at reproduction rates today and then in 20 years it's gonna die it's gonna i don't know about die but you know what i mean it's gonna be so hard to catch fish that you're going to need this stuff to fix the problem that started by buying this stuff. So
0: the thing that we did to go get away from our cell phones and our wives and our TVs has now turned into this thing where we go and we look at six.
1: (laughs) But anyway, so that when I saw that thing in action, I'm like, man, this is pretty cool. Even Nick was like, dude, I want one right now. You know, give me that thing now. Give it to me now. And Pat's still being,
0: you know, the crusader behind not getting it, you know. But yeah, uh, I'm a little angry with like that whole like, oh, yeah, you just like, oh, see, there's a little blip there. That's a fish. You know, like <laughs> and you're like, man, like this guy told us on on one of the four follows. He told us about the one that came in on mine. So,
1: yeah. And I saw it. He pointed it out to me. Uh, but it was a very it, that was a very cool thing to learn about was that. But as a guide the one thing I, I kind of realized, too, I, I always thought guides would be. Like this genius, and like you're just you're gonna learn this ways that nobody else knows because he's a fishing guide. can I never this is my first time in my life fishing with a guide. Never yeah. fished with a guide, and uh, I just realized guides are for tourists. Yep. They're just for the guy that doesn't have his own stuff and doesn't have his own boat, and he might be visiting from out of town. Like I was thinking, like me and me and Evan were talking about this. If I flew to Wyoming right now, and like uh, man, I really want to fly fish that Snake River. Well, I didn't come with a rod. I didn't come with waders. I didn't come with a boat. I didn't come with anything. So you'd hire a guide because it's just you know you're only there temporarily with none of your stuff. So you hire a guide, you pay the money, they outfit you, and you go. But for for muskie fishing, we don't. I don't ever need a muskie guide again. I no, just don't.
0: I, it, it's not that I don't ever need a guide again. It's that um, we need to research them deeper. And no, so if I you want to if you want to add plays to your playbook, uh, you need the guy that has a different playbook. That's all pretty,
1: it is. I pretty much, I don't know, unless unless you're going to a completely new lake and that you want to learn about the lake and what's out there, I could see that. But if you're uh if you're a, if you're an experienced fisherman of some kind, don't get a guide. I just don't think I think it'll I think it'll make you mad more than
0: it will help you. you I'm not know? saying that we elevated to the level of guide, although you're probably super close. Me? But, yeah. I don't know about that. Um but We're definitely not saying that. We're not saying that. We were smarter than the guide. We were just saying that this guide in particular was not that into musky fishing.
1: But like when I was trying the uh, New Lenox fly fishing thing, trying to be a fishing guide there locally, you know, just as a little side business. um, One, I realized I don't want to give up all my free time to take people fishing. That's the first thing I realized. This isn't – I wouldn't mind – I thought about turning it into an outfitter where I would find some kid that knows – these spots and i can pay him to take these people out so you just be the aggregate i'd be the one that bought the rods and the reels and the boats and the you know be an outfitter but the one thing i i did do i did a lot different as a guide for the few customers i did bring out is i had stories backed up oh we're on this body of water back in this time that they channeled this and they so when the fishing was slow i had all kinds of history lessons where everyone's like really i had no idea oh hmm okay you know like but like uh he didn't do any of that. There was no, like, oh, yeah, hey, let me tell you this thing. Did you know back in the day this? Or did you know that, you know, uh, the deepest spot? In the- no, there was no trivia, no stories, no facts. And when I was doing it myself, nobody even told me that. I was just like, just to keep the conversation alive, I'm going to know everything about the area I was in so I can relay that information. You might get something out of it. The other you know? thing, too,
0: this guy was kind of short. Every question you would ask me, he'd have, like, a mm-hmm, kind of answer. And, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, kind of, yeah, just kind of roll off. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I realized by that trip, I don't need to be guided. Yeah. You know, I just don't need to be, I'm good enough. I have, I have plenty of stuff and I have plenty of know-how and I was just kind of looking, once again, remember, it was, this was to kind of, we've always talked about it with dad, getting a guide with dad when we were kids yeah. and stuff like that. So I thought it was like, Hey, Pat's getting married. Let's use this as the excuse.
0: No, it was a good idea. It was a really good idea. We just, it, it just wasn't what we thought it was going to be. Yeah, definitely. And the other thing too, you had a, you had a a day where you didn't have to control the boat. So uh, I don't mind a
1: controlling a boat. So,
0: well, no, I mean, when you're out there trying to learn and you're trying to, you're not worried about boat control where you're only throwing a few casts here and there. So,
1: oh, I see. But the boat control thing comes just, it's just what I do as I'm fishing. So it really doesn't bother me to control the boat. I don't get anything less out of controlling it.
0: It doesn't bother me either, but it's just, uh, I don't know. It's one of those things where you could just kind of sit back and yeah, mm-hmm, you know, I'm fishing.
1: Oh, see, I don't, I guess I don't need, I don't, I'm never looking for that experience. Yeah. You know? no. Um, well, there was something else I was just about to say. Oh, the one thing, like, so with Green Bay, like, I've done a lot of studying on Green Bay. Green Bay is going to be, is this, like, sanctuary for any kind of fish. It's a world-class walleye fishery. It's a world-class musky fishery. Whitefish, perch, you know. Sheephead. Uh, yeah, the sheephead we <laughs> proved. And thumb-sized gobies. We did. We caught enough thumb-sized gobies when we were trying those. And I walleye. also caught
0: a lot of cloggers. Um
1: But Green Bay, I think, is a... I think it. Re- other than the bigness of the water, yeah, the like wind plays into it. You're like, I'm going fishing on Saturday. Well, we got 10 mile an hour winds out of the northeast. You're like, mm, maybe not. Maybe I'm not fishing. Not unless you like, you know, you could switch sides of the lake and kind of go to, to a calmer side. You so know? you
0: would say the water was um, bigly, bigly, bigly hmm? water. I don't know what that is. You said bigness. Oh yeah, just the bigness <laughs> of it. <laughs> no, I don't know. I was just making a Trump joke there. Um.
1: But it's it's definitely a very unique place to go, and I'm I'm gonna be back. In fact, uh, I'm probably going back. If it's July now, I'm probably by the time you hear this, it's August though. Um, whoa, yeah. So I'll probably be back uh, in a month. I'm gonna say I'm gonna probably try and schedule something fallish, you know, definitely fallish. Yeah. But uh, I got a couple of people I will run by you. I don't know if you want to take two boats, but I got a, I got a few people interested. Yeah. So down. we'll go back up there with our stuff, you know. Um. Yeah,
0: I think that's kind of like about all we got.
1: That's all we really got. You got to get to work because uh, you start in a few minutes, really, and you got a hell of a ride to go. So I know this one's a shorter episode. We had no news articles. It was a busy, hot week.
0: It's story time. It was story time. Yeah, story, yeah time. story time. Story time. Story time. We used time. to do story time Friday. I
1: kind of miss story time Friday. I'll be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, me too. So maybe
0: well, we could start doing a little thing around Christmas or something.
1: like that. Well, we might kick story time back up at the end of a at yeah. the end of an episode. I'm thinking about it. So because really, I really, it, it gave me a reason to research things I didn't know about that I was always curious about. So. I love
0: shipwrecks, so I've got enough shipwreck stories for days.
1: So that's our, that's our story. Thanks for listening. And uh, Green Bay is an, a sweet spot that if you have not been there, you need to check out. And do it on your own if you're an experienced fisherman. Yeah? <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for listening.
0: Thank you.